السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله قال رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقتة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما All praise and thanks is due to Allah Azza wa Jal Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends And upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time Alhamdulillah this session or this lesson We will be looking at the life of Zubair ibn al-Awam who was the disciple of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Zubair ibn Awam was one of the ten that were promised Jannah. And he always had a desire for martyrdom. And he was extremely passionate about giving his life in the path of Allah azza wa jal. He was a man of firmness without any leniency. He had great determination and he had a great amount of conviction. Zubair ibn al-Awwam, he was the disciple of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As we will see a bit later, where did he get this title from? And he was the cousin of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is the time that we will be looking at this great personality. We're looking at some of the highlights of his life. We're looking at his contribution that he made in the different wars or the different jihads that were fought. And we also look at how he was martyred, radiyallahu anhu. So the first point we, and this has been our way, this has been the pattern for the past weeks, that we look at his name and his lineage. So his name was Zubair, Ibn Al-Awwam, Ibn Khuwaylid, Ibn Asad, Ibn Abdul Uzza, Ibn Qusay, Ibn Kilab, Ibn Murwa, Ibn Ka'ab, Ibn Lu'ay, Al-Qurashi, Al-Asari, his mother is Safiya, Bint Abdul Muttalib, Ibn Hashim, Ibn Abdul Manaf, Ibn Qusay. And his lineage meets with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from his mother and his father's side. So he meets from both. From the father's side he meets at Qusay ibn Kilab and from his mother's side at his grandfather Abdul Muttalib. His mother is the paternal aunt paternal aunt of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which makes him yani Zubair the cousin or afwan he is the cousin yes he is the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so his mother was the aunt of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam paternal side which makes him the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's cousin. He is also the nephew of Khadija bint Khuwaylid, who was the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Zubair being the son of her brother. So he is the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is also the nephew of Khadija bin Khuwaylid, who was the first wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His mother is the paternal aunt, as we mentioned, made him the cousin. And, right, we mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his wife was also the aunt of Zubair. And again, like we've mentioned previously, this shows us and this teaches us the importance of knowing lineage, the importance of knowing where we come from, and 
to join kingship and to join family ties. Another point with regards to knowing lineage. The studying of lineage and understanding where we're from. This does not mean that one needs to boast about one's lineage. Or we need to show off that I am from this tribe and I am from this village in a particular place. Wherever it might be and we are more wealthier than the next village etc. No, this is not the purpose of knowing our lineage and knowing who our ancestors are. It is to know who our family is. Yes, joining family ties, it is important. But once it enters the heart that I am better than the next person, then this becomes a problem because of my surname. That's one point. The second point that I would like to add is that even if you come from a great lineage, this does not make you great in the eyes of Allah in the sense that you can just sit back and relax. No. You still need to obey Allah You still need to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salafu Salih. This is important because sometimes we find certain groups, certain people, they tend to boast that we have a lineage, we are the 40th or 50th or 60th grandson of the Prophet and this has certain ways and we can do certain things. No, every person will be answered, will be answerable to Allah on the day of Qiyamah for what he or she has done with their life. And getting back to Zubair ibn Awam, this teaches us and this shows us that he had a foot in the household of Nubuwa from the side of his mother and from the side of his father and from the side of his aunt who was the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His agnomen, his kunya. Zubair radiyallahu an, he was famously known to have two agnomens, two kunyas. Number one, one of them was given to him by his mother, Safiya. And he was known as Abu At-Tahir. She would call him this name since it was the agnomen of her brother. So his uncle was known as Abu tahir and his mother would call Zubair Abu tahir as well. The second agnomen which stuck with him was Abu Abdullah, the father of the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is also important that when we have sons should try to name them Abdullah, Abdul Rahman, Muhammad, Ahmad, etc. Name them with good, beautiful names that has meaning. Now we're going to look at his title. His title was recognized or his title was given to him by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and by other people. Of his famous title was Hawari Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hawari Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this word Hawar or Al-Hawariyun, we know this from the story of Nabi Isa. You look in the third Jews and in various places in the Quran, Allah speaks about the Hawariyun, the disciples of Nabi Isa. So here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he names Zubair, his disciple. Hawari Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and this was stuck with him for his entire life. And we will go into detail why he was called Hawari in a few moments bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Abu Nu'im, he mentions a few titles which was given to Zubair ibn Awam. And he says that some of his names derived from his accomplishments was number one, Al-Hawari, the disciple. Number two, Al-Jad, the earnest. Number three, 
المفتاح بيل أبوين for one whom's parents are sacrificed and this we will discuss a bit later الدين, the support of the deen and الدين, the pillar of Islam so here we find a few names and these are beautiful names again titles given to Zubair Al-Hawari Al-Jad someone that was earned someone that would like to spend Al-Ruknuddin the support of the deen of Allah Amaduddin the pillar of Islam these are beautiful beautiful names and we as an ummah we should strive to also follow in these footsteps we should strive to have these titles and these qualities within ourselves his description it is reported that Zubair radiyallahu anhi was a tall person was quite towering quite tall to the extent that when he was mounted on his ride on his horse or his camel etc that his legs would touch the floor and he had very fa- little facial hairs so he did not have a very big beard as maybe we saw some of the other companions and Allah knows best the next point that we need to look at is household we need to take a glance at his wife and his children Zubair radiyallahu an he married quite a number of times the total number of his wives were six and obviously when we give numbers of more than four one needs to understand that they were never more than four wives at the same time because sometimes you get someone that Allah says that you can marry two three or four and we know that you can't marry five people five females at the same time so how do we understand this and the reason and the ulama they all explain that Zubair and the others like we mentioned previously they would be married to four at the same time but not more than four at the same time and Allah knows best so Zubair he had six wives he had 11 sons he had nine daughters from six wives here are some of the names of his offspring and his consorts number one Asma bint Abi Bakr as-Siddiq and the children from Asma was Abdullah was Urwa was Mundir Asim and Asim passed away in infancy Muhajir as well he also passed away in infancy Khadija al-Kubra Umm al-Hasan and Aisha Umm Khalid was the sick wife number two that we will be looking at and she was a slave girl of the daughter of Khalid ibn Sa'id ibn Al-As ibn Umayyah children from her was number one Khalid number two Amr number three Habiba number four Sauda number five Hind number three Rabab bint Anif ibn Ubaid from the Kalb tribe Children from her was number one Mus'ab, was Hamza, that was number two, and number three was Ramla. Wife number four was Zainab, Umm Ja'far bint Marthad ibn Amr. The children from her was Ubaida, was Ja'far. That's so two. Wife number five was Umm Kulthum bint Uqba ibn Abi. Mu'ayt and the children from her was Zainab and then the last wife was Halal bint Qais ibn Nawfal from the Banu Asad tribe and her children or the children from this marriage was one child by the name of Khadija al-Sughra and yeah my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam I would like to pause for a moment Think of the names of the children of Zubair and you will find that if not all of them were named after companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam which shows us his great love 
that he had for his brethren and for the sisters of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And also we will see that all his sons, subhanAllah, is named after famous companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as hoping or wanting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instills those qualities of these companions into his children, subhanAllah. And this should be us as well. That sometimes in today's life we find that someone will phone, they will say, um, Assalamu alaikum, we want to name our child a particular name, and sometimes, subhanAllah, it's weird names. Don't know where they get it from, has no meaning, etc. So we should always try to name our children with good meanings and try to name them after the Anbiya, after the Prophets, try to name them after the Sahaba, try to name them after good, pious people. Ibn Sa'd, he reports from Urwa Ibn Zubair, who in return relates from his father. So Urwa was the son of Zubair. So he says that his father said, Talha Ibn Ubaidullah, would give his children the names of the Anbiya. And it is known that there is no Nabi after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, I name my children after the martyrs so that they can become martyrs. Urwa expounds. He thus named Abdullah after Abdullah ibn Jahsh. He named Mundir after Mundir ibn Amr. And he says that Urwa was named after, yani himself after Urwa ibn Mas'ud. And Hamza was named after Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. And Ja'far was named after Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. And Mus'ab was named after Mus'ab ibn Umair. And Ubaidah was named after Ubaidah ibn Al-Harith. And Khalid was named after Khalid ibn Sa'id. And Amr was named after Amr ibn Sa'id ibn Al-As, who was killed on the day of Yarmouk. Imagine each of your sons named after a pious companion, named after a very strong companion, a very just companion, and hopefully those qualities rubbed off into them. And if we name our children, inshallah, bi'idhnillah, it will rub off on our offspring as well. He's Islam. Zubair ibn Awami accepted Islam at a very young age. There are various reports at exactly what age did he enter the faith. Some reports say 8, some reports say 12, some say 15 or even 16 years of age and Allah knows best. But the main point, the point that we need to realize is that he entered Islam, alhamdulillah. He entered the faith shortly after Abu Bakr radiallahu an. He is the fourth or the fifth individual to enter Islam. He later immigrated to Abyssinia and to Medina. So he made hijrah to Abyssinia and then when he returned, he made hijrah to Medina. So he was from the people of Mecca. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he contracted brotherhood between him and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. May Allah be pleased with all of them. And when he contacted brotherhood between the Muhajirun in Mecca as well. When he arrived in Medina, he contracted brotherhood between the Muhajirun and the Ansar. And Zubair, he became the brother of Salama ibn, Salama ibn Waqsh. May Allah be pleased with all of them. We find that Imam Az-Zuhri, he reports from Urwa in his tabaqat that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he contracted brotherhood between Zubair and Ka'b ibn Malik and Allah knows best. As soon as Zubair accepted Islam, his efforts began 
to trap him and to dissuade him from Islam. And this we notice a pattern from the life of Abu Bakr radiallahu an. When we looked at the life of Talha, of Umar, of Ali, of Uthman. That we find that this was a common trait. A trait where the Quraysh tried to trap the new Muslims. Where they tried to harm the new Muslims. But as we know that people can plot and people can plan. But Allah Azza wa Jal, He is the best of planners. وَمَكَرُوا وَمَكَرَ اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ خَيْرٌ مَاكِرِينَ As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions in Surah Ali Imran. And they try to persuade him. They try to be difficult. They try to harm him. But this never wavered him from the path of truth. And he became stronger and stronger. And this again my beloved brothers shows us an important lesson. That we should always be firm on the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani he mentions in his book Al-Isaba on the authority of Abu al-Aswad. Zubay's uncle would fasten him in a mat and burn smoke in his face so that he returned to Kufr. In the face of this torture, Zubair would utter, I will never disbelieve, subhanallah. And when the persecutions against Zubair intensified and the fire of it turned into an inferno, then we find that when Zubair became free, he rather left Mecca and he went to Abyssinia with the other Muslims. Now we're going to move on to the virtues and the merits of Zubair ibn Awam. And of the first virtues and of the first merits is that he was guaranteed Jannah, one of the ten, where the Prophet ﷺ guaranteed him Jannah. Zubair also enjoyed the favor of obtaining a few merits and virtues which only a few people enjoyed. Like we mentioned the one. That he was guaranteed Jannah on this dunya, subhanallah. He is the steadfast, he is a custodian, he is the possessor of the sharp sword. And he was the one who submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking aid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. He was known as one of the heroes of Islam. And he was someone that spent his wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we mentioned, one of his merits is with regards to his lineage. That he meets Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the side of his mother and from the side of his father. And he is also the nephew of Khadija bint Khuwaylid. He accepted Islam in the very beginning at a tender age. He went through great difficulties. He made hijrah to Abyssinia and then to Medina to Nabawiya. He is the first to unsheathe a sword in Islam, which we will cover a bit later. He participated in all the major campaigns alongside Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he proved himself a brave soldier during war. We also find that the angels descended with his sign in Badr, which we will cover a bit later. We find that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him the title Al-Hawari. And we find that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says to Zubair, May my parents be sacrificed for you. And in return, we say to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in support of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sunnah, in defending the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in defending the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that may our families and may our parents be sacrificed for this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the protection of the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet ﷺ would send Zubair on distinct 
dangerous military operations which he fulfilled to the best of his ability subhanallah so now we will start looking at some of these virtues of Zubair in a bit more detail bi'idhnillahi ta'ala Zubair radiyallahu an was rightfully self-confident and dependable he utilized this quality for the service of Islam and again an extremely important point he was self-confident he was extremely dependable and they nurtured this quality in the service of Islam and this should be the way that we look at things as well if we see potential in someone we see potential in our sons and daughters use them for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send them to become huffad of the Quran send them to become ulama of this deen send them to become good Muslim doctors good Muslim engineers whatever field they will go to but let them be in the service of deen sometimes we find and this used to happen in the past quite often in our communities that when a parent tends to have one or two children and we find that maybe the intelligence of the one was greater than the intelligence of the other one so the one that had good intelligence they would send him you go to university you become a doctor a lawyer an engineer whatever you want to become and the one that was maybe not that intelligent or maybe not that strong in knowledge uh, you can maybe go to a darulum or wherever become a hafiz become a maulana or become a sheikh etc should not be the way we need strong we need learned ulama people that have intelligence people that can take this deen forward and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the understanding so Zubair may Allah be pleased with him he was unparalleled he fought as if he was fighting single-handedly when he attacked no one would stand in his way how many times was his love for this deen and self-honor urged him to present his soul and sacrifice for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he was ready to give his life for this deen, for the deen of Islam and for the nation of the Muslims. One of these episodes is when he was in Abyssinia. So he was on Hijrah in Abyssinia. And the background to this is that as persecutions against the Muslims intensified in Mecca, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he allowed the Muslims to leave Mecca and go to Abyssinia the Prophet peace be upon him he would inform them that there was a very just king and this king he allowed no oppression on the people in his country or under his rule so the Prophet peace be upon him he allowed them to travel to Abyssinia the king there was known as Najashi who later on became Muslim who welcomed them, he honored them and he included them in his subordinates and favorites. He also refused to hand them over to the polytheists, to the mushrikun, who tried to make great attempts to bring them back to Mecca. So one needs to realize that the Quraysh at that time, they were obviously the governing body. They were the governing party. So they had a lot of pool. So they obviously tried with their political status etc. To try to bring the Muslims back to Mecca. And Najashi being a just ruler he refused. So Zubair radiallahu an. He was quite young at this time. And Um Salama relates to us a story 
of the adventure in Abyssinia which highlights the bravery of Zubair. And she says, We stayed in the best neighborhood in the best country. It was not long before a man from Abyssinia rebelled against Najashi. So he tried to stand up against the king and tried to remove him, contesting with him for his kingdom. And by Allah, we never experienced any grief more serious than this, fearing that this new king will overpower him. A king will not recognize our rights the way Najashi did. So we began making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking his aid and his help for Najashi. He went out to face the man in full force. The companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, or they said to one another, who will travel and attend the battle to see who is victorious? So they needed someone to go out to the battlefield to see who is victorious. Is it Najashi or is it the opposing party? Zubay radiallahu anhu, being the youngest, or one of the youngest, he shouted that I will do it. Remember, he was extremely brave. So they blew up a water skin and attached it to his chest. And then he left swimming upon it in the Nile until he came to the other side where the people were assembling for war and witnessed the battle. Allah defeated the other king and killed him and Najashi was victorious. Thereafter Zubair came to us flashing his shawl to draw our attention and he started screaming. He was very cheerful for, and he says that for Allah has made Najashi victorious. By Allah, we never experienced such excitement. We never experienced such happiness with anything, the joy we had experienced upon Najashi's victory. Because the victory of Najashi was the victory for the Muslims as well in Abyssinia. And then they continued to stay by him and some of them left for Makkah whilst others stayed on. The next point I would like to look at is the Battle of Ahzab. The Battle of Ahzab was when fear became common and widespread and the Mushrikun, the polytheists, they gathered in huge numbers together with the impressive weapons to uproot the pillars of the new Islamic state, the new Islamic rule. So one needs to understand and we need to think back. Picture Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with his companions. The new Muslims. They've been persecuted. They've lost their families. They've lost their houses. They've lost their wealth. They did not have money. They did not have the wealth to buy the best of armory, the best of equipment. Whereas the Quraysh, on the other hand, they were the political party. They had the best weapons, they had the manpower, etc. And it is obvious that this has some type of fear, it will create some type of fear in one's heart. Not a fear in the sense of that we do not want to go out and fight. But a natural fear that happens in every human being's life. For example, someone he sees a lion, someone he sees a snake. He has this natural fear in him. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he dispatches Zubair to gather intelligence of the Banu Qurayla tribe. So now he needs to go out and gather intelligence. So obviously at that time, subhanallah, there's no drones or planes, etc. So you physically needed to go out. And this was dangerous. He goes out alone. He could be seen. And once you're seen, you either become a prisoner of war, you become captured, or you are killed. 
But the love that Zubair had for Rasulullah sallallahu and for the deen, and coupled with that, his bravery, he accepted the mission and he went out. Imam al-Bukhari, he narrated on the authority of Jabir radiyallahu an that on the day of Ahzab, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam announced, who will bring me intelligence from the enemy? Zubair said, I will. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he asked for a second time, who will bring me intelligence from the enemy? Zubair said, I will. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he then said that every Nabi, every Prophet has a special disciple. And my disciple is, or my special disciple is Zubair. So this is where he got the title, Al-Hawari, or Hawari. The title meaning the disciple. After Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's demise, his expertise in warfare and self-confidence did not fade away. As a result, we find him participating in the conquest of Egypt and presenting his life in the siege of the fort of Babylon. Affirming, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that he will breach the fort single-handed. So he climbed the walls of the fort and then he raised his voice with a takbir which sent shivers through the hearts of the enemy. The rest of the Muslims then joined him until finally Allah granted them victory through his open assistance. He goes alone, subhanallah. He opens the door and he allows the Muslims to enter. This is bravery, subhanallah. Radiyallahu anhum wa radu'an. May Allah be pleased with him and with all the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Kathir, whilst discussing the conquest of Egypt, he mentions and he says that the Muslims besieged Ain Shams in Egypt on the fourth day and Zubair climbed the walls of the city, the fort of Babylon. When they realized this, they went out to Amr from the other gate and made a compromise with him. In the meanwhile, Zubair burned the city and, ex- and exited from the gate where Amr was at. Nonetheless, the reconciliation was passed and Amr wrote for them the document of peace. Zubair radiallahu anhi was accustomed to a rough life and he was accustomed to dramatics of war. He was the experienced warrior and he was an expert champion. And Zubair radiallahu anhi would fight all alone having a full conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and relying on the help and assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This teaches us again the importance of putting our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions and he informs us in Surah Al-Talaq. At a time, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we are, where we are going through great, great difficulties. We are going through trials and tribulations. But never forget that we rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely. وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجَ وَيَرْزُكُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ And whosoever puts his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will most definitely open a way and he will sustain you in a way that you do not even imagine. So never ever lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never ever feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to look after us. He's not going to assist us. We've seen battle after battle, life experience after life experience, from the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu an that we discussed, right until today's lesson of Zubair radiallahu an, that Allah assisted the Muslims every single time they needed His help. And an important lesson is that 
Zubair radiyallahu an's mother nurtured him and prepared him from infancy to be someone that will lead armies one day and someone that will bear responsibilities and someone that is physically extremely strong. In this regard, when he was extremely young or when he was at a young age, his mother would be strict. His mother would be a bit harsh with him at times. She would reprimand him. And she would make him and build his character. And this we learn also, or we remember this from the life of Umar radiallahu an. That Umar radiallahu an, that his father as well, was someone that from a young age, he would train Umar radiallahu an. He would make Umar radiallahu an be stern. Now, when speaking like this and saying that they grew up being stern, etc., this does not mean that they never had a soft side to them as well. These were the men and women, the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they were those that when they heard the book of Allah azza wa jal, they would cry. These were those men and women that when they woke up in the last third of the night, they would cry their hearts out in front of Allah Azza wa Jal. These were the men and women when they would walk in the streets of Medina and the streets of Makkah and they would see poor people that they would give their last penny to them. These were the men and women that when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was attacked, whether it was physically or emotionally, then it was the likes of these men and women that surrounded him, that protected him. So yes, the likes of Umar, the likes of Zubair, the likes of Khalid ibn Walid, yes, they were warriors. They maybe had tough lives. But never forget that they had extremely soft hearts as well. Never forget that they were the ones that worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of their ability taught to them by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Sa'ad narrates in his tabaqat that Zubayr radiallahu an he broke the hand of a youngster or a man. In another report mentions a man. For whatever reason the report doesn't mention this. And so the youngster or the man was brought to his mother and was asked what happened. The mother asks the person, how did you find Zubair? Did you find Zubair to be like cottage cheese or a date? Or did you find Zubair to be a fiery falcon? Someone that was fierce. So here we see that how his mother reared him as well. Ibn Hajar, he mentions in Al-Isaba that the strength of Zubair, he's going to speak about the strength of Zubair. And he says that when Al-Awam passed away, Nawfal ibn Khuwaylid looked after his brother's son Zubair. So Nawfal ibn Khuwaylid, he looked after Zubair. So Safiya would beat him when he was young and display harshness towards him. So Nawfal scolded her for this by saying, a child is not beaten in this manner. So yani, why do you beat him? So hearing this, she started to sing some poetry. Whoever says that I dislike him has spoken a lie. I only hit him so he becomes smart. He defeats the enemy and obtains spoils of war. He should not be someone who is weak. 
He should not be someone that is just sitting at home and eating from the dates and the grains. Zubair radiallahu anhi witnessed all the major campaigns at the side of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He himself confirms this as reported by Al-Hakim Vaya Urwa ibn Zubair. And he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not travel on any campaign or expedition except that I was part of it. Zubair radiallahu anhu's outstanding efficiency was manifested in the battle of Badr. On that day, he was one of the commandos and the brave champions of Islam. He was in charge of the right flank of the Muslim army and he proved his excellence to the extent that he killed his own uncle, Nofal ibn Khuwaylid. Nofal obviously from the Quraysh. And this again shows us that truth, that standing up for the haqq, is something important. Even if it means standing against our own families and our own friends. And here I would like to highlight something. This does not mean that there is disrespect. This does not mean that they, we become rude. That we don't show manners to our family members or friends etc. that disagrees with us. No. But it shows us that we will stand firm for what we believe is the truth. He grew up in the household of Nofa. But yet when it came to the battlefield, he stood up against him because now it is a situation, now it is that of truth and that of falsehood. And he needed to defend Islam. He defended himself and this is what happened. And alhamdulillah, we don't witness battles per se. We don't need to go out and fight. But we have our own personal battles. We have our own personal fights that we need to take. Maybe we struggle with wearing hijab. Maybe there's a struggle with making salah. A struggle with having separate weddings. Whatever it might be. But even here, if we find our family members and our friends maybe telling us it's fine. For example, let's take the issue of a wedding. It's fine to have music at your wedding. It's fine to have a mixed gathering. It's fine to let the bride sit on the stage without hijab, etc. Whatever it might be. And you become forced into this thing. In a situation like this, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا طاعة المخلوق إلى معصية الخالق That there is no obedience in the creation, in disobedience of the Creator. So sometimes we need to stand up, but do it with respect and with honor. So, getting back to Zubair radiallahu an, that his courage did not end at the battle of Badr. In every other battle and expedition, you would find Zubair in the front line. You would find Zubair striving and fighting for the cause of Islam. On the day of Uhud as well, we find him to be a tower of courage. He remained steadfast with the Prophet ﷺ. One of the flags of the Muhajirun were held by him. When the Mushrikun turned away from Uhud and Muhammad ﷺ encouraged the Sahaba to pursue them, Zubair was one of them who left in compliance to Rasulullah sallallahu command. <coughs> Imam al-Bukhari rahimallahu ta'ala on the authority of <coughs> Afwan on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha after reciting the following verse she said to Urwa. So she recited the verse الَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِلَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا أَصَابَهُمُ الْقَرْحِ للذين أحسنوا منهم واتقوا أجر عظيم Those, يعني those believers who responded الذين استجابوا لله والرسول 
والرسول, that those who responded to the call of Allah and the messenger مِن بَعْدِ مَا أَصَابَهُمُ الْقَرْحِ After injury has struck them لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا مِنْهُمْ For those who did good amongst them وَاتَّقَوْ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ And they feared Allah There is a great reward for them So she said to Urwa Oh my nephew Your two fathers Zubair and Abu Bakr are amongst them. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was afflicted with the suffering on the day of Uhud and the mushrikun had left, he feared that they might return. So he called out, who will pursue them? And 70 men from them volunteered and amongst them was Zubair. In the battle of Khandak, when the eyes shifted in fear and the hearts reached the throats, Zubair remained steadfast and resolute. The advisories, or Afwan, the adversities, not that people that gave advice, but rather the adversities did not frighten him at all. And the dangers did not shake him whatsoever. This was Zubayr radiallahu anh. And he remained a man which would fulfill dangerous tasks that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dispatched him with. Imam Ahmad in his Musnad on the authority of Jabir ibn Abdullah says that the matters intensified on the day of the trench. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who will, which individual will bring us intelligence? Zubair said that I will and he gathered the intelligence. <coughs> Thereafter the Prophet and we mentioned this, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said that this is my disciple as every Nabi has a disciple. Imam al-Bukhari, he mentions that the companions of Muhammad sallallahu said on, to Zubair on the day of Yarmouk, you attack and we will attack with you. So he attacked the enemy who gave him two blows on his shoulder between which was an injury he sustained in the battle of Badr. Urwa comments, I, put, I would put my fingers in these wounds while playing when I was a youngster. So he would put his finger in the wound of his father, Zubair, while he was extremely young. Zubair between fear and aspiration. Zubair radiallahu an, he had this deep aspiration not to fall in any form of sin, even if it be forgetfully and unintentionally. Owing to this, we find that his reports of ahadith are very little compared to the reports of other sahaba. The reports, you won't find a lot of ahadith of Zubair ibn Awam. The total of 38 hadith is in Musnad Baqi ibn Khalid. Two of these ahadith are found both in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih al-Muslim. While Bukhari mentions another seven. So you might be wondering, such a great companion grew up in the household of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So why doesn't he narrate a lot of ahadith? So maybe you find that the enemies of Islam, they might try to look at this. They might try to tap into Zubair. Why didn't Zubair radiallahu an? Why doesn't he narrate so many ahadith as compared to Abu Huraira? Compared to other companions. And the reason for this is that Zubayr radiallahu an, he did not want to fall into attributing something to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which was not from him. And he learned this from the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man kathaba alayya that whomsoever lies against the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he builds for him a place in the fire of Jahannam. And this was the reason that Zubayr radiallahu an did not narrate so many ahadith. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, goes contrary to what we see today. We see the opposite. 
any message, any WhatsApp message, any Facebook message, anything that just seems interesting to us, has the Prophet Wasallam's name on it, we send it. And I'm not even talking about the whole concept of now if you don't send to 10 people, your foot will break and you will break your one finger on your left hand, etc. No. That we do not verify information. And this is important. That we need to verify a hadith, we need to verify information. It is so easy in today's time to ask the ulama, to ask the du'at, to ask the students of knowledge. Is this hadith authentic? Is the hadith not authentic? Did the Prophet really say this? Because we do not want to find ourselves on the day of Qiyamah where we become of those that lied against Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. May Allah protect us. He was the first to unsheathe his sword in Islam. One of the merits and specialities of Zubair is that he was the first to unsheathe his sword in Islam to defend Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ibn Abi Shayba, Abdul Razak and Tabarani in the various books they have or they bring a narration of Hisham Ibn Urwa from his father. The first man to draw his sword in the way of Allah was Zubair. This incident behind this is that Shaytan spread a rumor Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has been captured. Immediately Zubair rushed challenging or challenging Afwan through the people with his sword while Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was at the uppermost section of Mecca. When he got to Rasulullah, he asked sallallahu alayhi what is the matter, O Zubair? I was informed that you were captured. He explained to the Prophet and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he made dua for him and he made dua for his sword. Another merit of Zubair is that on the day of Badr, we obviously know, and Allah mentions this in the Quran, with regards that Allah sends down the malaika, the angels, were sent down on the day of Badr to assist the Muslims with the sign of Zubair, meaning wearing similar clothes to his as an honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he joins his parents with Zubair radiyallahu an. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he makes dua for Zubair on the day of Ahzab, the battle of Ahzab, and he says to him, may my father and mother be sacrificed for you. And last but not least, we would like to look at the conditions, or not going again into too much detail, but the assassination of Zubair happened during the battle of Jamal. And we obviously, we're not going to go into detail as we've been through this for a good couple of weeks. We discussed it quite in detail with regards to the battle of Jamal, the battle of the camel and what happened. And we find that Zubair ibn Awam, he left on the day of Jamal, which was Thursday the 10th of Jamadul Akhira, the year 36, upon his horse with the intention of returning to Medina, a man from Banu Tamim by the name of Al-Mujashi met him at Safwan. He said to him, <coughs> O disciple of Rasulullah, come to me, come to me. You are in my protection. No one will get to you. So he came with him. He went with him. Another man from Banu Tamim went to Ahnaf bin Qais and said to him secretly, Zubair is here in the valley of Siba. Ahnaf raised his voice and said, So what should I do? And what do you instruct me to do if Zubair folded the two Muslim factions, one killing the other one when he intends to go home? Meaning that, why are you coming to me? Why are you telling me this? I want to go home, but yet you still come and you inform me. Umair ibn Jurmuz, Fudala ibn Habis, and Nufail ibn Habis, Heard him, so they mounted their horses in and went in pursuit of him. As soon as they caught up with him, Umair attacked him and stabbed him slightly. Zubair counter-attacked. When he realized that Zubair was going to kill him, he called out to Fudala and Nufay. 
for help. He then said, Fear Allah, fear Allah, O Zubair. So Zubair, Zubair spared him and went away. The three of them ganged up, pounced upon him and killed Zubair radiallahu an. Ibn Jurmus stabbed him deeply with which caused him to fall down. They tackled him successfully and they murdered him. Ibn Jurmus severed his head and brought it along with his sword to Ali. Ali held the sword and said, A sword by Allah which frequently eliminated adversities from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But now what a woeful demise. So Ali radiallahu an in other narrations it reported that he ordered Ibn Jurmus never to come back into his company. Zubair was buried. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him in the valley of Siba. Allah, Ali radiallahu an, he would sit with his companions and he would cry over the martyrdom of Zubair radiallahu an. Imam Ahmad, he brings a narration that Ibn Jurmus seek permission to enter. They said that Ali stated granting permission so that the killer of Zubair may enter Jahannam. Certainly I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that for every Nabi is a disciple and my disciple is Zubair. He was killed on the day of Jamal in Jamadul Ula, the year 36. He was buried in the valley of Siba in the section of Basra. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant them the highest place in Jannah. And bi-idhnillah ta'ala next week we will be looking at Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, the trustworthy individual of this ummah from the most influential personalities of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa astawfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.